Man, don't you love our worship team? I'm so thankful. So, so thankful. Yeah. Well, I asked Nicole to join me this morning because of what we were going to talk about. I said, would you preach with me this morning? And she said, yes, what are we going to talk about? I said, we're going to talk about the most abused and manipulated phrase in the English language. And how did you respond? The most abused three words in the the English language. I said, well, that could either be I love you or be right back. (laughs) And so which which one is it? Be right back. Uh, I, how many of you have been dumped? I've been dumped by those words. I don't know. I, they, I, when she said back? that, it made me think of that back? whole story. It was like, you know, the paper cut with lemon juice was back in there. Um, but we want to talk about that. We want to talk about that phrase. And, and we want to talk about... The phrase is, I love you. I love you. The, the love yeah. Yeah. of God. Yeah. The love of God. Oh, man. You know, I was... <clears throat> Turn over to 1 John. Let's do this first. 1 John chapter 4. I want to read to you a verse out of 1 John chapter 4. And it's going to be verse 19. It says this. This is, you know, I I love you can be translated so many different ways, you know. And the reason I said manipulated or abused phrase is because, you know, that phrase has... The word. I love pizza. I love pizza. I love you know whatever. But that's, I love outfits. I love whatever. Yeah. Whatever yeah. you know. But on. But I on tried the, to train myself to start saying, I really enjoy pizza, or I really like this. But just keeping that love very strategic. Yeah. Very strategic. To where it means something, because you know, although it's a phrase that we use of endearment, that I love you. And that's something I've made a point to tell my kids uh, their entire life. Um, no matter what's going on, it's just we automatically say, I love you, every mm-hmm. phone call, I think. Do we still do that every phone call? Yeah. We do. Yeah. yeah. And I'll tell my son if or my daughter, like, I love wrong? you. Yeah. And because I want to I use that opportunity, but sometimes I love you could be because I want to get something from you. Mm. It could be used manipulatively. I mean, it... it you know, it could be used at another person's expense. And it can just become uh, a response. I know that I, uh, years ago, 30 plus years ago, because we've been married 30 years, so I'll clarify that. But before we were married, I was engaged before to the, uh, the wrong guy, of course. Obviously. It was not Mr. Right, guy. obviously. Um, <laughs> but that, that, that phrase became uh, a response. You know, um, just a, just a response. It wasn't it wasn't coming from me. He would say it multiple times. I love you too. Love you too. Love you too. And so then, w- when when that was done, and um, and you came into my life, I uh, remember that you you actually put yourself out there and you said that you loved me first. I was the first one to say first. I love you. Yeah. And because of that, I didn't want it to just be a response. And I said. Very nicely. But I said, that's nice. <laughs> There's no nice way to say that. You know? <laughs> you know? just... so, but before you left on that trip, because we were, we were long distance and he was coming out to visit. And so before you left on that trip. So there was though, no TSA. There was no, you didn't, you could actually walk, walk people to the, to the, to the gate. Air, air, airline gate. It's 1991. And, um, but I wanted to know that I knew. I wanted to know that it was not a response. That it was a... This is coming from me. I'm giving this to you. You're not taking it kind of thing. Yeah. 
And so, um, yeah, when you were getting on the plane. I was walking down the jetway, actually, and she yelled it down the jetway. Because I didn't know, I didn't know if if she was going to say, I love you or not, because we had, we knew that where God was taking this. And so we had opened up and shared intimate details about our life with each other. And I thought, well, this could either make or break our relationship. And she hadn't said, I love you yet. And so you know how the enemy just, your thoughts go. So I'm walking down the jetway. You yelled, I love you. And here's what happened. The stewardess. It was a little dramatic. There was a stewardess you know, that was standing right down here, when she, and she heard her, and she goes, oh. And I mean, she just got all caught up in the moment. And she was so excited. So I'm getting on we this. We were the original Hallmark couple, okay? Right, I'm right. just saying, right like that. So I'm getting on the airplane, and it was a bigger plane, so they had first-class American Airlines, and they had second-class. First-class was this way you know, coaches this way. Well, I'm obviously turning this way because I'm flying standby. <laughs> My dad worked at American Airlines, and so I'm, I'm going this way. And the stewardess goes, no, 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 honey, you come this way. And she got me a first-class seat. She was, I, anyway, the next, when I got to Dallas, so they didn't feel the same way. Yeah. I don't know what happened. But anyway, First John chapter 4, look at verse 14. This is why, why do we love God? We love him because... He first loved us. That's chapter 4, verse 19. Chapter 4, verse 19. Yeah. Sorry. Three off there. Yeah, I'm needing your glasses. <laughs> so God loved us when we were unlovable. He took the first step toward us. He was me in the park saying, I love you to Nicole when we said, that's nice. So in Matthew 25, here's what, here's what I want to go with the love of God, because we love him because he first loved us. How do we love him? In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus, in fact, one of the first times I saw you, you and your sister were doing a drama, and her father preached, and they were like the opener. They were like the opening show to the concert, you know, that her, her dad, no, I'm teasing, but her, I mean, her dad was an, is an amazing minister. And so you and your sister would do dramas and then he would get up and preach. And you did one based on the song that Keith Green had written called The Sheep and the Goats based on Matthew 25, the parable that Jesus told. So Jesus told this parable of, you know, the, at the end of the, at, at the end of the age, God will, he will bring up people and he will separate them like the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And to the sheep, he'll say, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty. You gave me something to drink. I was, a str- I was naked and you clothed me. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I was sick and in prison. Hey, yeah, come, on. come on, Hawkins unit. Those guys were, they see our videos, by the way. So glad you're here, Hawkins unit guys. Um, but <clears throat> so He's, and, but then the sheep will turn to Jesus and they'll say, when did we ever do those things? I mean, when did, we, when did we feed you? When were you hungry? When were you sick and in prison? When did we come and visit you? Because I think we'd remember your face. And he said this in verse 40. He said, in as much as you've done it unto the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. The way we love God is by loving the brethren, the sisters, the people that are in this room. The way you love your family. We love God by loving 
his people. Yeah. That's how we love him. I think once we get our brains around the love of God, what he did for us, and what is the love of God? It's Jesus. That's the love of God. He sent his all. He sent his entire, all of his love in his son for me. But I wasn't worthy. I wasn't, I wasn't doing the right thing. I wasn't, listen, I didn't listen to him the first time. I, I've messed up so many times. He sent his love, Jesus. And that's, I think, where the disconnect is. Because how can I love you? if I can't receive the love that God has for me. So we're, we're trying to, tr- to, to teach how to love others when there's people in this room that haven't received the love. So they, they, you can't love others until you get your brain around and see, it's, I keep saying brain, your heart around it, because it's, it's not, a, you can't figure this out. It's not an intellectual Thing. There's, there's so many men and women in history who have, you know, they've searched all the, all, the, all the religions and they've read all the books and they've listened to all the podcasts trying to figure it out. But when you come to your end, when we come to our end and we say, I just want Jesus. That's good. Everything changes. Nothing else matters. Yeah. Yeah. When you bring Jesus into the equation, yeah. it may look so unsurmountable. It's too big. I can't handle it. Then you realize, I need more of Jesus. Yeah. Find the love of Jesus and love, love him, him back. That's good. It's simple. What do we say? <laughs> it's simple. It's not always easy because you know, there's distractions. There's the, well, what if? Well, but if, what, well, what if I just did this? Well, if you just did this, then I could. I don't feel like loving you. See, that's how the enemy can get it all messed up. Yeah, because love's, love's not a feeling. It's not an emotion. It's not, you know, I mean, it's wonderful when we, there's a nice breeze and we're right. in that romantic spot and the music is playing in the background, our favorite and song. And when you're being nice, you know, I'm being and, nice. And we're sweet to each other. And it's amazing, you know, and the, and the light, when the light, you should see Nicole when the light hits her face just right. <laughs> you know, but, but how many of you know the light changes? Light's not the always old, there. And the older you get, the eyes kind of change. And so, you know, you don't see all the imperfections and all the things. And so sometimes we're like, you have no where are you? Oh, there you are. It's easier sometimes. No, but what I'm saying is, is remember back in the 80s, I think there was a band called Foreigner that wrote a song called, uh, um, I Want to Know What Love yeah. Is. Remember that song? So, you know, you... If you, I went back and I read those lyrics because I thought of that song as we were, you know, praying about what we were supposed to share. And I read those lyrics and I was like, yeah, we have no, they have no idea what love is because love is not a thing. It's not a feeling. It's not a song. It's not a Valentine's card. Love is a person. God is love. And the most famous scripture in the Bible is which scripture? John 
360. 360. I was, you know, I just didn't want to, just in case. Billy Graham, man, made that scripture amazingly famous. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave. Giving is not only the very essence, but it's the number one characteristic of what love is. Love always benefits somebody else. If I am taking, if I'm manipulating to get, if I'm saying I love you, if there's a young man that's telling a young girl, I love you just because it's what she wants to hear, it's not love. It can be used. That's why this phrase can be manipulated. And see, we're not supposed to live at the expense of other people. We're never supposed to live at the expense of other people. This was a phrase. I, I went away this, and thank you, those of you that prayed for me last week. I'm so, so grateful. Um, I'd had it in my heart for a long time to go away, and not, not from her, but I mean, to go away for just three days and, and fast and pray. And uh, Pastor JJ, the guy I was telling you about that God healed him of the respiratory issues, he had built this little, the cutest little cabin you've ever seen. Um, his, he inherited 30 acres. I'm sorry, because I, I have a tendency to take the exit ramp and sometimes I don't get back on quick enough. So Nicole's telling me to get back on the highway. So anyway, so I'm, I'm just praying there. This was the phrase that God gave me. When you make it all, when, when you make it all about him, you no longer take life personally. Why do people take life personally? Because it's about them. I feel better because of all the likes that I'm getting right now. If the likes diminish, I may not feel so good about myself. That person said something to mean, mean to me. Okay. Well, love doesn't live at the expense of other people, so you know that wasn't in love. So you know love, what love would do is love would forgive. And love covers a multitude of sin. It's amazing. But sometimes we take life personally. We take things personally. We get hurt. And Christians are not supposed to be hurt because we're supposed to be the ones that walk in love. So what you're saying is forgiveness is an act of love? It's a big act of love. So can we love without forgiving someone? The scripture, John 3, 16, wow. we, we, we emphasize the word give, gave, because God's a giver, but emphasize the smallest word in the verse. We, we, we skip over it all the time. For God so loved the world that he gave. Read it like this. God so loved the world that he gave. That's good. The smallest word is actually the biggest word in the whole verse. Wow. That's how much God loved us. Yeah. He loved us so much that he gave love, Jesus. Wow. wow. That's, what, that's what he thinks about you. Yeah. You are that so. <clears throat> he loved us so much. When, uh, how many... A few months ago, um, well, now it's been, I don't know, maybe five, five, it was back in March, um, Dan Moeller came. And it's been a year? Yeah, it's coming up on a year. Wow, man. Sorry. It's moving fast. Okay. So, but when he was here, I remember he stayed at our house and we were, and I spent a lot of time just asking him questions. So he would preach, he would come and preach, 
you know, an hour at the church, and then we would get home, and I would ask him a question. He'd preach for two, three hours. One of the things he said, I'll never forget, he said, he said, the biggest problem in humanity, biggest problem on the planet today is self-centeredness. It's the focus on self. And I bring that up because all addiction comes out of self-centeredness. Any addiction in a person's life comes out of self-centeredness because they're focused on what it does for them, what that addiction does for them. Okay, well, in Matthew 16, verse 25, how, how do you break free from, from addiction? You lose your life. You lose your life. Listen to what it says in 16, verse 25. It says, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Good word, Pastor Phil. So, all addiction. Well, is and self centeredness, none of us are exempt from self centeredness. It started in the garden. Yeah. It started with Eve and, and Adam. When, when the, the enemy came to her, I was going to look up Genesis 3 6, if you can find that in Masha. Genesis 3 6. It, this is at the very beginning. And what, what did he, what did the enemy? Talk to, talk to the, the, the woman about. Well, when the woman was convinced, she saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. That sounds a lot like what it says in 1 John 2, 16. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Hmm. And that hits everybody in the room. We've got to, be, we've got to realize what's going on in that self-centeredness. Because if we've got that going on, we've got to realize it. And don't, don't be like, oh, well, I can't ever do anything right. You know, here I go, I've got, I've, got, I've got more to fix. No, when you realize it, you deal with it and you move on. And you tell yourself, yesterday ended at midnight. So you don't bring that stuff into today. Yeah. Because today's a brand new day. Because the work that Jesus Christ did on the cross, if, if it, if it, if the blood that he shed was good enough, then we have no excuses to carry any baggage around. Yeah. If, if, you, if you pack up your bag and say, well, I've got this syndrome and I've got this, and the doctors say, I have this, was the blood enough? You deal with it, and even if you have to deal with it moment by moment, deal with it. And say, no, I'm not, I'm not going around this mountain again. I'm not, I'm not putting this in my bag, and, and here we go through life. Yeah. You deal with it, and you speak the word. Oh, man, Dan was on fire this morning. Yeah. The anointing is here yeah. to break every yoke, to break every mindset. He was using the word. He was talking about speak the word over your situations. We're not here. If, if God brings 10,000 people, praise God. We're, we're not focused on big church. We're focused on building big people yeah. who know who their God is, who know how to use the word. Because if, if we're not available, we don't want you to be orphans. We right. don't want you to be floundering out there. Oh, where's my small group leader? Oh, where's, where's Pastor Phil? Where's, oh, where? No. Okay. I'm going to the word. Because Jesus is your answer, and Jesus is the Word. In the beginning was the Word. Yeah. The Word was God. The Word is God. Yeah. So here's your answer right here. Yeah. So with that self-centeredness, we've got to deal with it 
and, and move on. And if, you, and if if the next day you see it again, deal with it and move on. And you'll find that it gets less and less yeah. and less because you're not feeding the cat anymore. Yeah. You're not putting a bit, you're not going, okay, I left it at the altar. Now it's time to go. Come, come on with me and let's go. No, leave it and go. Yeah. And go into everything God has for you. Mm. That's so good. That's so good. So uh, we wanted to bring up self-centeredness mainly <clears throat> Because of this, that we want to be free. And the way to be free is to lose our focus on us and put our focus on him. Remember the word that he gave me at the cabin? It was that if I'll, if I'll look unto him and I'll put my focus on him, then I, I won't be self-centered anymore. Because I'll care more about what he cares about. You look at Moses, you look at David, you look at Samuel, you look at all the different people in the Bible that God used. They laid down their lives and they took up his cause. He has a plan and a purpose for you. Many people are afraid of it. They're scared of it because they think he's going to call you to move to Kenya somewhere, or, you know, back, back in the boonies and, and live somewhere. And I won't be able to maintain the standard of life that I'd become accustomed to. Oh, okay. So what you're saying is you're more motivated by your flesh than you are by the Spirit of God. And that the Spirit of God wouldn't care more about you than that. Because He very much does. He cares about us so, so much. He will not put you in a position, because here's the thing. He created you. He, he created your likes and your dislikes. He knows what you like better than you know what you like. Yes, He does. How do you know that? Because one time God had me buy a van. I swore I'd never buy a van. And I walked in the lot and I knew, you know how you know in the spirit, you know, when the spirit of God speaks to you and you know, and you walked on the lot and I'm looking, and there's this gold vanigan, Volkswagen vanigan, this minivan. I thought, that's terrible. You know what I mean? And I, why? I was drawn to this van and I was like, no, I'm looking for a pickup. I don't want a van. But the Holy Spirit just kept pulling me toward that. Little did I know, I was really going to need a van for the next three, four years of my life. And you know what happened? I fell in love with that van. It turned out to be an amazing van. And I, I liked it more than I thought I ever would, Gary. How does that happen? It's because God knows what you like better than you do. See, we have all kinds of excuses as to why we don't follow what God is, is dealing with our heart about. You know, we are really good at excuses. We've been over, overly trained in excuses. But see, God's not interested in our excuses. He's interested in his will for our life. And his will and his plan is so, so much better than what we ever imagined that it would be. But we can only fulfill it if we walk in love, if we receive his love and in turn give his love to others, those around us. And that means that I won't, I refuse to live at other people's expense. I don't know about you, but man, when I heard this message, I just, man, I remember back to when I was so self-centered. And it, and it was just all about me, all about what I wanted, all about what I felt, all about what I thought. That's a really selfish way to live. I'm not proud of it. And I only mention it to you because there's hope. Because God took that and he totally turned it around. 
And I began to see other people, began to see needs. I began to see that God had a plan for my life. And it was back in 2013 when I put my hands up in our basement in Louisville, Kentucky. And I said, God, I don't want to do anything else until you tell me what it is you want me to do. And that was within a week, within, within three months of me saying that, we were traveling on the road full time with a ministry across the nation, spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. I had no idea that that was what God wanted me to do. But an interesting thing happens when we lay down our life. Then he gives us a brand new purpose, and the purpose always benefits other people. Mm-hmm. Let me say it this way. I've, I've had, because I've had many people tell me this. You know, all my, all my wife and I need to live is X number of dollars. We're, we're comfortable with this. Well, there's a problem with that statement. The problem is not the amount. The problem is not with your comfort level. The problem is it's all about you. You're not thinking like Dan was talking about bigger than you. Because why wouldn't you believe God for more so that way you would be able to bless people? You'd be able to make a difference in somebody else's life. You would have plenty and extra to be able to give because that's what it talks about in 2 Corinthians that you and I would be furnished in abundance and amply supplied for every good work so that we can give. And then when something else comes up, oh, here, I got it. How nice it is to say I was standing behind this lady in the grocery store. We were in Walmart and she was trying to pay for her groceries and it was one of those special deals because they weren't doing cash or something. We had to go over to the, to the one checkout person that they have um, over on the side, you know, and they got all the machines. And, and we were one of the goofy people paying cash for our groceries. So we're getting ready to pay cash. And this woman in front of us, they, their card kept being denied, kept being denied, kept being denied. She didn't know what was going on. To me, it didn't matter what was going on. But the prompting of the Holy Spirit said, pay for her groceries. What a blessing to be able to to have the money to pay for groceries. But if my mind was, well, all we need for groceries is X number of dollars, I wouldn't be able to do that. Love always benefits somebody else. I'd like to go back to, you, you, really, you were hitting on excuses. And it's just been going over me ever since that. Excuses hold you back. Excuses keep you in the muck and the mire even though it's comfortable. It's comfortable to, to just you know, feed your excuses. This is for somebody. Don't, don't crucify the messenger here. Um, but this message is so important. And, and, and I liken it to a car that has not had an oil change in forever. What happens, guys, girls? Mm-hmm. It gets sludgy, it gets thick, it gets mucky, dirty. But... It'll still get you places a little slower, not as, not as, as, as efficient, but there's excuses. It's like, it's like not clean. Somebody needs an oil change today. Come on. To get rid of the excuses and say, to start saying yes to Jesus. Now, that doesn't mean you, just, you don't use wisdom. Wisdom is Holy Spirit. So if you need wisdom, you just ask, ask the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, I need wisdom in this. But that doesn't mean you have excuses not to move forward. Does that make sense? So whatever it is, it just I had to say it. Don't let excuses hold you back. 
Now let's turn over to Luke chapter 12 real quick and we're going we're gonna to land the plane on this. Luke chapter 12. And I want to look at a parable that Jesus shared in verse 16. And I'm going to read it to you. I want you to notice some things in it. <clears throat> in this parable, it says, Jesus said, the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought to himself from within himself saying, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns. I will build greater and there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry for God said, oh, in verse 20, but God said to him full, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will these things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. He's not saying that you can't save. He's not saying that you can't have riches. The key phrase there is not being rich toward others. It's the love factor because he mentioned, he made references to himself 16 times in that parable. Somebody's got an eye problem, a me problem, that it's all about me and see what's happening in as at asbury university right now is not about anyone <clears throat> there's there's no celebrity in this revival i've watched it for hours they have different worship teams that come up and they play for two hours and they'll and they'll worship and then that team then they rotate they get up they make some housekeeping announcements and then it starts again but the interesting thing to me was that it's like during the worship song, they'll be singing a song and whatever the song is, they'll get into the song. And there's a certain point in the song where suddenly the Holy Spirit hits and suddenly everybody starts cheering and they start standing up. And I mean, God just starts moving. And it's been so fun to watch because there's not any one celebrity in it. It's a move of God. It's a move of the Holy Spirit. So what I did was I, I was on YouTube and I, I've been watching a lot of it. And, and I noticed that there was a documentary from the 1970 Asbury Revival that broke out. Same type of situation. They had a chapel and then a student got up and gave a testimony. And then another student got up and gave a testimony. Another student got up and gave a testimony and it began to grow and it began to grow. And eight days later, they were still going. And, but there was a story that stood out to me in this documentary, and I wanted to share it with you because it, it hit me hard. And as I was driving here this morning, I was sharing it with Nicole. <clears throat> um, so there was this young girl, her parents worked for the Salvation Army. Now back then, Salvation Army was different. They were actually still a ministry. And her parents were in New York and they did a lot of outreach. They did a lot of ministry with people. They prayed for people all the time. They did evangelism. And, and so she was at Asbury University going to school and her father said, here's our, here's, you know, you have our home number, but only call if it's an emergency. And so they said during the revival, those of you who remember the long distance days, because that was when Nicole and I dated, um, they said once, once it came past 10 o'clock, you know, the, the prices went down. There was a cutoff time where the prices dropped. And so all the students would be waiting by the payphone 
so that when the prices dropped, they'd pick up the phone and call their parents and tell their parents what was going on in the revival that was happening, what God was doing. And so this one girl, she was apprehensive to call her parents, but she called her parents because her dad said only call during an emergency. And so she called her parents, both of the parents got on the phone and her dad started the conversation. What's the emergency? <laughs> he wants to get this thing rolling, you know, because I'm paying for this. And she said, I found Jesus. And he said, what do you mean you found Jesus? You've been saved all your life. She said, no, no, I, I found Jesus. And he said, daughter, I'm not understanding you. What do you mean you found Jesus? We, you've gone out your entire life with us on outreaches. You've been in church since you were born again. You've been in Sunday school. Is this, how's this sounding familiar? And I mean, he starts talking about her resume and all the things that she has done for God. And she said, dad, I, I found Jesus. He said, uh, what do you mean you found Jesus? You've done all these things with us. And she said, Dad, I did those things because I love you. I didn't do them because I love Jesus. <laughs> this story just killed I mean, it wrecked me. I just went, there it is. There it is. How in the how at the end could Jesus say, depart from me, I never knew you. And this girl realized that she didn't have a relationship with him herself. Her relationship was wrapped up in what she did for him. One of the generals in the faith to me is a guy by the name of Clady Keith. And I asked Pastor Cleddy, he's in his 70s now, mid-70s, and, and uh, you won't meet a man more on fire for God. He just, he just so on fire for God. And I asked him, I said, how is it you've been able to stay on fire all these years? Because he's been on fire. He's, I, his church was the first church when we traveled that I sensed the tangible presence of God. I mean, tangible cut it with a knife, tangible. I mean, I, I started to bawl. I know it doesn't take a lot to get me crying, okay? I'm, I'm, aware, I'm well aware of that. And John didn't help me. He prayed for more sensitivity to the Holy Spirit, he said. I said, don't pray for that. I don't want to cry more. I cry plenty now. But Pastor Cleddy, I asked him that question. I said, how is it that you've stayed on fire for all these years? And he said, I've never allowed what I did for God. I've never allowed myself to love what I did for God more than loving Him. Because I think sometimes we can put an overemphasis on good works. Good works, good works, good works, good works, good work. And works are important. But works are a fruit. Works are automatic. They're, they come, they are birthed out of relationship because you have this amazing relationship with God and your love for Him 
gives birth to works. You want to please him. My love for Nicole births all kinds of things, all kinds of gifts, all kinds of surprises, cards, conversations, because I love her. When you love the Father, you're gonna have works in your life. See, no church should have to sit up here and should have to charge you up and get you fired up to wanna go and volunteer in kids, which by the way, kids is the best place to volunteer because you're pouring into the next generation. Yeah, so you got a big amen. <laughs> oh, would you stand up with me this morning? I don't, I don't know if you can tell, but we're really going after the presence of God with everything that we have. We, we wanna roll out the red carpet in here and we just want his presence to just pour into this place and let him do what he wants to do. That's, that's my end game. And I don't know, if, I, I'm sure you've noticed this as well, that, you know, I used to have an end time and the Holy Spirit convicted me that I needed to stop it. That I needed to allow him to take us where he wants to take us. And it's not that I enjoy long services, okay? First of all, it's that I enjoy his presence. And, and we want him to accomplish what he wanted to accomplish. And this isn't, this isn't justification for making this thing last longer. I just want you to understand why we do things the way that we do is, is we wanna roll out the red carpet because Jesus is the answer to everything in your life. He's the only answer. There's no other answer. He's it. Wow, would you bow your heads all around the room? Father, I just thank you so much for your presence. I thank you for every person that's here. Lord, I bless them in your name. I thank you, Father, that you were helping us to live a, love, a life of love, that we would walk in love, that we would never live at the expense of anyone else. But God, and that we wouldn't live hurt, that we'd never allow sin against us to produce sin in us, God. But we would walk and live the life of love, a love that gives forgiveness, a love that, that is willing to share our blessing with other people, a, a love that's willing to lay down our life for our brother or our sister. Lord, that you would help us. Lord, I pray for a deeper hunger for every person in here, a deeper walk in your presence, a deeper relationship. God, we want to know, be those that are close to you. Lord, that are the ones that are like John that was sitting right next to you, that had his head on your chest, God. Like Mary that was at your feet, that was pouring out her year's wages, her year's salary on your feet. Lord, we wanna be those that give the precious gifts to you. And we thank you, Father, for your presence that's in here right now. Lord, we thank you for what you did here this morning.